0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Just
1: returning from a couple of months of travel at a lot of uh, technology trade shows uh, that were really focused on immersive technologies, which is an ongoing theme on the show in the last two years, and specifically around augmented reality and um, what's happening in business, um, which is very exciting because I, I think if it happens in business, it'll definitely make it to the consumer side, and um, also exciting to get older people who are in in work um, environments, um, leveraging it so that they adopt it quicker. But today's show, we have an expert in the topic of immersive technologies and especially augmented reality, Um, a fabulous reporter, a former Disney AOL and AG executive, the world traveler and famous AR expert, Charlie Fink. Let's have a big tech hat hand for
2: Charlie. (laughs) I know
1: Nice. And the audience goes wild. <laughs> so, yeah. Charlie, you, you and I ran into each other a couple of times over the last few months because there were a bunch of different events. But uh, let, let's start first with give us a summary about, you know, what's happening with you um, as a, a Forbes contributor, specifically around VR, AR, and new media. Um, a lot's been going on in the space. So catch us up.
2: Well, we should. We could to. Take- 2019 is the year of. If, if 2018 was the year of mobile augmented reality, 2019 is the year of enterprise augmented reality. So that's a theme I've been running into over and over again. As for my personal activities, as you know, I launched my second book, Convergence: How the World Will Be Painted with Data, uh, on uh, March 12th at South by Southwest, where I gave a keynote. The book is uh, more edited by me than written by me. There are over 40 contributors, half of whom were women, I'm happy to say. And the book, like the first book, uh, Metaverse, is an augmented reality book. So you read it with your smartphone in your hand, and every page or two, there is what's called a marker or marker AR that activates and anchors an AR experience that you see through your device. So it's a book that walks the walk as well as talks the talk and uh, it's it's doing really well it's exceeding my expectations
1: I'm, I I loved um and, well the first bo- book uh, metaverse was so much fun because it's like articles so you can put it down and pick it up that's what I loved about right. it and it's also soft right. so, which is really nice too
2: yeah in this book in this, in this book like that book some chapters are more technical than others and I think it's okay you know I, I teach it um, Chapman University, and one thing that I've learned is it's okay to graze a big fat book like that. Start with the introduction and then what's interesting to you. Um, you know, not everybody needs to read about the mechanics of an AR cloud. You know, they're interested in more specific use cases.
1: Right, so, so there's but, um, something back for everybody. To the,
2: yeah, going back to the idea of uh, this year being the year of enterprise, so Since my book launched, I've been pulling together uh, a tour of all of the leading XR devices in the marketplace, Um, and I'm calling it um, EXRD, uh, Enterprise XR Demos. And I'm starting in Los Angeles, and then in October we're doing New York and Boston, and then Vancouver in November as part of the VRARA Global Summit. And we'll see where it goes from there. I'm, I'm excited to do it. There's, you know, to do it today, you would have to go to every conference and wait in line to do one very short specific application. But these demos are designed to run enterprise software. So we're trying to get the executive in there who really can see firsthand and understand the difference between, for example, a HoloLens and a monocular micro-display from wheelware. Which is a very different form of augmented reality. One of the interesting things about augmented reality is it really describes a very wide range of things, whereas virtual reality is a very specific thing. And
1: from um, when you when you talk about enterprise um, um, augmented reality, maybe you can explain to the audience exactly what that means. I mean, it's it's AR being used in business, but how is it manifesting? Because this was fascinating to me over the last few months as I sort of you know, dove into this world where real estate and factory and field and all these different categories were leveraging AR in ways I'd never seen before. So maybe you can give us a little sort of overview of what that really means.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, I would, I would not leave VR out of the enterprise discussion because the killer app for VR appears to be training and simulation. And while there are some uh, consumer uh, experiences that one could have in that area, it mostly is like how to learn how to drive a Fordler. And it is incredibly effective for that. You know, how do you train a trained conductor other than have them stand next to some guy for a long time? So VR is really changing the landscape of worker training. And it is a much bigger deal than I think people really realize. Now, AR can be used uh, for training also, right? You could have a knowledge worker or, or uh, someone in a lab, for example, who's about to retire, go through their day, and wearing a HoloLens, they could document everything they did. And then when a someone being trained put on the HoloLens, they can see not only everything that that other worker did, but where they did it, right? So the, that, you know, instructions and... Uh, notations would appear anchored on the physical world that the worker, um, you know, is enveloped in. So that's one uh, example of or two examples of of what's happening in businesses that are trying to save money. Uh, another example: Lockheed is using some uh, is using a Microsoft Hololens. Running software from a company called Upskill uh, to do inspections, rivet inspections. Because one of the issues uh, in, with either um, handwork or uh, inspection is accuracy. And, uh, you know, especially when you're dealing with something like aerospace or automotive, uh, you really can't make any mistakes. So things are checked over and over again. You use the HoloLens, and it detects where the rivets are. Huh. So, you know, and again, fatigue is also a huge issue. we wearing a lot of these devices. For example, let's say you're wearing a humble, monocular micro display, which is really just a little tiny uh, monitor, uh, computer screen, hanging off of your peripheral vision. Well, if you were doing complex handwork, you could glance at that while keeping your hands free and your eyes on the work. Or you could do it the way most companies are still doing it, and the worker could look back and forth. To a schematic. Red goes to blue. Yellow goes to red. And by the time the day rolls around into the afternoon, an hour four, five, six, the number of mistakes, you know, that's a feat of memory to do a job like that. and And the mistakes multiply as the day goes on. So if you're using an augmented reality device, it could even detect when you've made a mistake. So it actually, it, it, you know, the other thing is those kinds of handwork jobs, they do something in a factory called rotation, right, because people make so many mistakes that after a couple of hours, they switch them to another job, and they put somebody in who's, who's fresh and can concentrate. But using a monocular micro-display, uh, the workers have, um, you know, much more energy, much more awareness, and, it, you know, in some processes it has... Uh, increased productivity by ninety percent, and huh. in terms of training, it it reduces training time by, you know, thirty five to ninety percent. So you're talking about enormous savings, and that's, yeah, well, I, that's I, why I, enterprise I, is excited about augmented reality.
1: Yeah, it's it's really fun to um, I've you know I put some of the helmets on, and it's it really is um, freeing. When you don't have to hold anything in your hands and you can actually just, you know, do your task. But information, and it's not right. as weird as it looks. It's like uh, that, um, that I've used the headsets and I think they're great. And it's it was amazing to me how um, how I adopted to, to the little screen pretty quickly. You know, it wasn't hard to do that.
2: I think one of the remarkable things right now is how inexpensive and commoditized enterprise augmented reality has gotten. And I'm not sure that that message is really out there either, because we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to implement augmented reality into the business process in in honestly very simple ways that are very impactful.
1: Exactly. Now we're going to take a quick break, Charlie, and come back, and hopefully I'll keep my hands and face off of the mic (laughs) so I I don't shut it off by accident. But we'll be back in a moment. We've been speaking to Charlie Fink, um, who is a um, a former Disney executive. He is now um, a columnist and a contributor at Forbes for VR, AR, and New Media, and just released a great new book called Convergence, How the World Will Be Painted with Data. We'll be back in a moment.
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
2: If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's
2: Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: Hi, everybody. We've been chatting it up with Charlie Fink, who is a Forbes contributor and author of a number of um, well-selling books on the state of immersive technologies. And we were just talking about, about what's happening in business and in enterprise with AR and VR. And I, I had tried out some some um, headsets, as I was telling you, Charlie, and to me um, what was so interesting about it is seeing, you know, older men wearing these headsets. And the reason I mention it is because typically, you know, a lot of these newer technologies are adopted really quickly by younger folks and the older demographics, more in the boomer area, don't seem to adapt as quickly. But I, I saw these guys – these workers using them like it was a, a, a second skin. So what are your thoughts about yeah. the whole age piece and all of this?
2: Well, there's no question that, that you're reluctant to change what you do when you're good at it. And, of course, I mean, I personally found using a micro-display takes some getting used to. But the benefits of it are so substantial that it doesn't take long for an older person to, to understand how easily um, it can integrate into their workflow and generally make it easier and make them better at their jobs. And there's no one on earth who doesn't want to be better at their job. So there's a lot of worker satisfaction with it. Of course, there's a lot of anxiety. People are worried, does this mean they'll need less workers? Am I in danger? is this another way of, you know, them gamifying work and, Um, taking away initiative. And so, you know, there's anxiety about it. I think people felt that way about computers, honestly, in in the 80s as they were introduced. But the benefits of it are substantial, and keeping your hands free and your eyes on the work is a critical safety issue. Um, That's another benefit that people don't talk about enough, which is not only does it make the worker more efficient and a better learner, but it also... Uh, Makes them safer.
1: Right, right, right. Because they're not turning away. Is that why?
2: Yeah, because your hands are always on the work, uh, on the work. Your eyes are always looking up and out. For example, in a logistics scenario, you're walking through a warehouse. There are forklifts. There are things on the floor. Um, you know, there are ways to get hurt, and and it's chaotic. But using an augmented reality headset, your eyes would be up. And and the great thing about the real wear, for example, is it's made to be mounted on a high hat, on a hard hat. Huh. So, uh, you know, this, the safety aspect of this is really not to be um, underplayed at all. I think it's a very, very real thing um, where people honestly do get run over by clipboards and they're trying to manage their RF gun. And, they, you know, it's, it's, it's a handful. And then they have to have their hands free when they reach the item that they were looking for. So this reduces a lot of movement. There's a lot less gear that has to be carried and worried about. When pictures have to be taken or barcodes have to be scanned, it's as easy as touching your temple. And, and actually, the realware has a very powerful voice uh, command uh, system so that you can do most of those things without, um, without touching it. And, and, you know, they've got tactical things, you know, that are head-mounted like flashlights. And, and, again, for those of us who don't work in industry, the importance of having a head map and flashlight on demand is itself an innovation.
1: Right, right,
2: right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we're always worried about screens and pass-through and anchoring the digital to the real world. But, you know, most most guys who are wearing those headsets, you know, need the flashlight.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> and, it's, you know, more, it's, it's more practical. That Of a real wear being implemented for remote work instructions for for mechanics on BMWs. Which is a brilliant application, right? Because they're seeing the schematic of the part while their head is in there under the hood and the flashlight is on. You know, they can even take pictures and video and send it to a, a remote technician in Germany
1: yeah that's the remote stuff is really cool. I saw a demonstration from Rockwell where the worker is using a r to look at the parts inside of a machine and he's having trouble, so he calls the technician who gets the same a r screen in front of him, and then using Vufora, they can draw on it, which Vufora is an a yeah. r software v- they can software. draw on it
2: yeah
1: yeah, and then the same the, the um, guy I
2: was just- yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. I'm sorry. I was, I was in a panel with the um, guy who was in charge of service from Caterpillar. And you would not believe the stories that he had about all of a sudden, you know, no one has to go into the Amazon. He's like, I don't even know how people get our equipment in there. And, you know, they're in impossible places. And it would take two days to get a mechanic there. But using a, a head mounted display and see what I see technology off of a satellite, I might add, a worker uh, who is not a mechanic who is standing in a clearing in the middle of the rainforest can get step-by-step instructions from an expert on how to fix the machine.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. They're
2: saving, I mean, when that happens, that saves them like $100,000 an in incident.
1: And not only that, but it's like, it's visual communication, which is always better, Right. Like, no one's looking up a manual while they're talking to somebody on the phone. Like, their hands are there. They're right well, there, you know.
2: Well, that is true. I mean, it also empowers those local workers, you know, right. who are no, no longer dependent on outside experts coming in and doing things for them. They can now do them themselves.
1: And what, what business categories is this really happening in? I mean, I was in, uh, at a manufacturing show, so it's obviously really big there, and also real estate um, where builders and manufacturers are able to see what's going on. And then on the consumer side, they can show the consumers what they're getting. Are there other categories that are really exploding with this enterprise immersive tech?
2: Well, design, there's a lot going on in the area of design. And, and of course, for, you know, augmented reality is great for visualization, right, so that you could stand on a job site and see the infrastructure there, um, you know, the architect and others. In fact, I'm, I'm surprised it's not being adopted more quickly. You do have this adoption cycle, right? It just takes a while for the old people to go away and for the young people to do it in a different way. It's... Interior things like interior design are are uh, VR is especially effective for making those designs inside of VR and then presenting them to the client in a time and in a way where it is the most plastic and easily changeable. Right, so that's that's one example. Um, You know, as I said, the training area is being revolutionized. Uh, Logistics and warehousing, uh, they're converting as fast as they can. There's not enough capacity in the industry to service the number of warehousing um, and shipping companies that are trying to uh, move to AR solutions and do better, faster scanning and tracking of inventory and other functions inside of the warehouse. And, you know, every factory has a warehouse attached to it. Where They keep all the materials. So there right, are people right. running around back and forth to the warehouse all day long inside of a factory. So there's no, there's almost no business that makes something of any complexity that can't use AR. Um, so, yeah, and and yeah. people are realizing that. And, you know, look, I mean, there's only two ways to raise your prices. One is, I mean, to make more money. One is to raise prices. and And the other one... Is And the only way you can raise prices is by increasing your value. So most people can't do that because their product is what it is. So they, you know, look to how do I reduce my costs. Reducing your costs by 5% are as significant as um, a price hike or even a, you know, growth in your market share. So people want every advantage they can get. You know, if you're talking about a company that's, you know, uh, got operating expenses of a hundred million dollars. Five percent is a very, very meaningful number, and they can achieve that savings by spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the ROI happens in months.
1: Now, who? Um, well, we have to. We're going to have to take a break in a moment. But when we come back, I want to talk a little about, bit about who's who's bringing this into companies because, you know, from the media and entertainment side, which you know i've sat in for so long and i and i think you've you've reported on um you know for a long time um there's always like the new stuff person the head of innovation or the digital person or whoever's looking at all of the new stuff but when it comes to the enterprise side you know who's doing that is is there someone who's in charge of making sure the company stays on target? Is there an innovations person? Like, who's driving all of the immersive content? In a
2: larger company, there there most certainly is. Uh, in smaller and medium-sized companies, it tends to be run by the chief technology officer or the chief information officer. Hmm. But, that, um, makes, that makes sense. And, 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 there's, and I mean, the, you know, look, you go to a company like Caterpillar, they've got an innovation office. They're trying right. to become familiar with the technology. They're trying to figure out how to apply it, and they are, let's face it, they're evangelists inside of their organization. They're intrapreneurs, if you will. And, and in some companies, the intrapreneurs um, have an easier time than others. Uh, it, it just depends. And, you know, there's always a cycle of people not wanting it and then people see it working in another division and it gets highlighted in a company offsider and then everybody wants in. So, you know, these things that every company has its own culture – and, and they, you know, course through the bloodstream of those companies, uh, until they, um, you know, find equilibrium. But, uh, it, it, you know, more and more companies are, uh, you know, you've got big consultancies out there like Deloitte running around and, and, you know, they're evangelizing immersive technologies for their clients as well. It, it's just happening. The technology has gotten really pretty straightforward. Yeah, and, yeah. and also, I mean, a lot of it, you know, is, is security compliant now. That used to be an issue. Of course, if you it go with fast. the HoloLens, it's already built on MR. So
1: it's, it's happened really fast, it seems to me, like a huge leap forward.
2: Well, I would say there's been a huge leap forward in 2019 and 2018. Yeah. A lot of the enterprise XR companies, you know, have been punching it out for five years or more. I I wouldn't exactly call Wikitude an overnight success. You know, most of these companies, you know, like Wikitude are, are, you know, reflect, um, you know, these are five- and ten-year overnight successes.
1: Right, 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 right. Uh, Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, When we come back, um, we'll talk more with Charlie about some of the trends that he's seeing in the space and more about his new book, Convergence, How the World Will Be Painted with Data. We'll be back in a moment with the fabulous Charlie Fink.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
0: inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
1: Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world, with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays
0: at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America
2: Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: Hi, everybody, and we're back, and we've been having a great time with Charlie Fink, digging into what's happening in enterprise AR and VR. Um, Charlie and I had run into each other at Augmented World Expo, um, which happened, I guess, a month or so ago. It's, uh, time is moving so fast. We run
2: into but, each other at Augmented World Expo every year. Yeah, that's it's right. It's a tradition.
1: <laughs> it's our reunion. <laughs> <laughs> but that that show in particular really, really showcases what you're talking about. And in particular, there's like rows and rows of vendors with different um, AR and MR glasses and some HMDs for VR. And I had trouble, you know, discerning... What, what the differences were. So I'm wondering if you can enlighten us. Are there some trends around these glasses? Like, what you know, there, are there particular types to be looking out for?
2: Well, I think that there, there are many modes of augmented reality, as I explained, and there are many jobs that it can do. So the metaphor I would use is there are many types of screwdrivers, and you use the screwdriver that adapts to the screw. If you have a Phillips-head screw, you use a Phillips-head screwdriver. The same is true in augmented reality. You may not have a problem in a warehouse that needs a spatial solution like a magic lever or the HoloLens. You may simply have a problem of, um, you know, orders showing up and um, being able to scan hands-free to scan barcodes and QR codes when your hands free, or you may have to inspect the wing of an airplane. In which case, you might use a Hololens because it has the ability to detect surfaces and shapes and uh, look for their qualities. You know, huh. so it's a much more powerful machine than the one that's just showing you which skew you want to get and uh, giving you the ability to scan the barcode with your hands-free using a voice command. So those are very two different very use cases and two different tools that you would use for it. Now, there's another complication, too, when you're at AWE. You're not just seeing device manufacturers. You're seeing platform makers and guys who make the software that runs on those devices, and they're also demoing the device while they're demoing their particular application. So you have a lot of headsets out there being used for different things, and they're being used in a little bit out of context, right? They don't put all the micro-displays in one place. They don't put, you know, the, the spatial computing uh, players in one place. They're all mixed up together, and no one is explaining the differences, which are really not that complicated. Right. Now, there is some competition between, say, Vuzix and RealWare, which do I want? Do I want to use Music? Do I want to use RealWare? Do I want to use the Toshiba? All of them have different things that recommend them. Um, you know, the, the Toshiba has a, a mini computer attached to it, you know, whereas the says is an all-in-one. It's all built into the wings of the device. You know, so there's subtle subtle differences between them, uh, and uh, and, it, and it matters. You know, you're in a rugged environment, you might like the RealWare better. You know, you're 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 in a warehouse. Well, the music's is lighter and easier to wear, so maybe you'll wear that one. So you choose the device that's right for the job and and in the correct context. So you, you go to a company like Lockheed or, or Boeing or you know one of the more te- technical technical companies. Their their use of AR is is widely varied. You see people using um, AR applications on smartphones and tablets and. You you see them using spatial computers, and you see them using micro displays. I mean, you know, it's don't you know? There's the old saying, right? Don't shoot a fly with a cannon. You know, don't use a Hololens for work instructions. It's a five thousand dollar device. You know, it's kind of heavy. Why not have something that you can easily take on and off, like your hard hat, for some jobs?
1: Right. Right. And it is, do you think it'll it'll get simpler over time as as the market sort of solidifies?
2: Well, the enterprise side is always going to be confusing to consumers, right? It's just right. you know, I mean, it's very hard for a consumer to understand what PTC does. Right, right, right. PTC is a digital transformation company, and and obviously using AR is a, is a big part of what they do. As they, you know, try and make um, factories more automated and easier to operate, and a lot of the things they use to do that are, are AR related, and they have to do with you know computer vision and digital twins and um, all sorts of really interesting stuff that would bore most people to death. Right, right, But What's interesting about an enterprise device and and why enterprise AR is thriving right now is you have an enterprise AR device and it needs to do one thing really well. Ah, it's great at work instructions. It's great for, you know, uh, remote experts. But a consumer device, right, look at your smartphone. It's a clock. It's a calendar. It's your address book. It's a phone. It's a computer. It's for web surfing. It's for games. Right? Your iPhone does everything, but enterprise devices don't have that burden. Yeah, yeah. They just have to what be it, better tools.
1: What, what about um, what's happening in, um, in the medical industry right now and, and, what's, ha- and what's happening with um, VR there?
2: Well, medicine and education are, are two fields which ultimately should drive the market. Uh, because of the scale that they have. But the obstacle is that, at least in the United States, um, it takes a long time for those changes to come about. For example, let's talk about medical training. Surgeons don't feel like they need medical training, right? They've been through 15 years of training, thank you very much, and, and they're quite good at what they do. So, you know, they have to go on these junkets, you know, where they, they're paid for by drug companies and they go to Hawaii for three days and sit in on two lectures and, you know, they keep their license up every day. But in terms of them really learning or getting better at surgery, you know, who pays for that? Right. right. So, so and, and, of course, anything that's used in a clinical environment, anything that's used with patients, um, Has to go through the FDA, and that's also a cumbersome process that, that you know a lot of startups can't undertake. So, so there are obstacles. So, where, so the place again that it's getting traction is in medical schools. You don't have the who pays question in medical schools, and you have a ready audience that that wants to practice, that understands that they're there to practice. But of course, it's a slow process. OsoVR VR is a terrific uh, medical training software in VR, and it is, you know, they've gotten their most traction uh, in the educational market. I, I think that's, you know, they're, they're pivoting strongly in that direction because slowly the institutions are starting to understand, I mean, my God, 15 people share a cadaver in a medical lab, you know, and, and, and with VR, everybody can have their own dead body, as many of them as they want. So, right. you know, I, I mean, I, I'm making light of it. Obviously, doctors obviously doctors have to practice on on both real things and virtual things. Um, but virtual things were never in the mix before, and in a lot of schools, they are now.
1: Right, right. It's funny because Ma- Magic Leap is definitely going head to head with schools now um, to get their SDK into their hands um, so that they start building out you know, their their store um, and get people engaged early, right? Um, so do you think all the different platforms are, are going to be um, staying, you know, independent and really going after people to just jump on board, or will there be some thinning out of all of these platforms?
2: Well, there there already has been some thinning out, right? We saw ODG and Meta went down, and um, Darkly, if it's not down, or Backly, if it's not down, soon will be. So you're already seeing some attrition. You're seeing new players from Asia come in. That's unusual to have so many players from Asia come in. We uh, have been talking a lot recently about NREAL because they've got a sort of, let's call it um, a more stylish, smaller form factor in a spatial computing glasses. The founder and CEO is an engineer who used to work at Magic Leap which is a source of a lawsuit between the two companies. But again, Enreal is in Asia and, and seems to be perfectly content there. So they may be out of Magic Leap's reach. Uh, anyway, the, uh, you know, Magic Leap, yes, Magic Leap is, is a bit of a unique case because they're a market maker. And, you know, the market is really, really um, not ready yet. So right. they're pivoting to where the customers are, which is enterprise. Why, why is enterprise such a crowded peer? Because that's where the fish are. The consumer use cases are just not there for AR outside of, of a few specific things that are being done in mobile AR, like the you know fantastic AR directions and wayfinding that Google is rolling out slowly. For a pixel user, you can do that today. Uh, and, and it's really, you know, using a combination of computer vision and geolocation, otherwise known as SLAM, Google is able to do to, to augmented reality on your smartphone that gives you better, you know, directions. They're taking something we're already doing and making it much better. So AR is seeping into mobile apps. It's really happening. Um, but there are very few AR apps, right? AR is a quality that better apps have. So for consumers, I think AR is kind of quieting down after there being a lot of excitement in 2018. Um, the truth is, without an AR cloud, um, there aren't that many things that AR can do that would be that useful to most people. So AR is, is you know, as excited as we all were and, and as promising as the Magic Leap device is as an entertainment device, I, I, I think we are quite far away from AR using, being used for consumers. But again, I mean, all of this just reinforces what I've been saying for the past three years, which is these immersive technologies are following the development pattern, not of the internet, but of the personal computer. Huh. In which took 20 years. Right, so right, right, right. If, if that's true, this is 1992 for immersive computing. Right, and in those eight years, between 1992 and 2000, um, you know, there were 100 million personal computers sold in the United States. Right, right. right, Why? Because the personal computer had met the Internet, and the consumer value proposition became clear to people. And that, too, will happen with AR. When there is a robust 5G, uh, you know, world mesh, where you can get five G in pretty much any urbanish place, uh, then our smartphones as well as any wearable devices are going to be revolutionized because so much of what they do will be done in the cloud. So, right. so we're years from that, but but it's happening, I and mean, then the evidence is all around us. But I think people sense that time has really been worked by the you know, past 20 years and the way the Internet and mobile computing have moved forward, uh, you know, with such tremendous speed.
1: When you um, talk about the AR cloud and that there really isn't one yet, and, and I know, you know, you talk about this um, in articles and in your book and, and other places, but um, can you just explain it to the, to the audience?
2: Sure. Well, let me first say, there is no one AR cloud. That's just a blanket term that refers to all the different AR clouds. So let's say you're going to use landmarkers on Snapchat, right? Landmarkers are are essentially, um, they use computer vision to anchor your phone to a physical object, and then you can manipulate that object. So if you are... Um, you know, looking at the Flatiron Building or the Capitol in Washington D.C., you can literally like make it bounce around with your finger or shake your phone and see it wobble back and forth, and it it looks realistic, right? Because the sky is behind it, and um, you know the the, the tower approves acc- it at any angle. So what what Snapchat has done is they built this point cloud out of the million people and all the different angles from which they've taken pictures. Of the Washington Monument, and they they built so they built this spatial invisible mesh around the building, and and that is all being done between your phone communicating with them. right? That is not native on their app. It is being sent up to the cloud and being mixed and sent right back down to your phone. So that's an huh. example of an AR cloud, right? Another example is. And and this is a super crude example because it's just geolocation and nothing more or less. And geolocation, even today, is not terribly accurate. But, you know, looking for Pokemon with your phone, using geolocation to capture them. Right? Those Pokemon don't live on your phone. They are geolocated. And when you are in that location, if you have the app, you can see them. Those Pokemon live in the cloud. And and many people will go there to download that same one for that meeting. Huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. Here's here's, here's another use case, right? People post pictures of food in social media. You won't do that anymore. You will post the pictures of food where you took them so that when I do see you eating that wonderful Italian meal, it will then be in context and be useful to me instead of being an ephemeral vanity on an endless scrolling screen. So it'll
1: show up in my world when I'm near that restaurant. Is that yes, what you mean?
2: Exactly. And, so so that's, it, and again, that, yeah. would be, that would be Facebook in the cloud. Right, right, right. And all these companies like Facebook and like Apple and like Google are all going to have their own AR class. Well, that's why I say just saying AR cloud it's really plural it's not singular because right. the whole idea that, that that digital layer could somehow be unified and shared is inevitable but probably pretty far away and and there will be an epic fight because Apple and Google are not going to want to share um, are not going to want to share.
1: And do you think they'll charge consumers for accessing it or will it be more of a service as part of a larger play?
2: So no, too early to say it. it's what the business model is going to be. Right, right. But you know, you you will pay cash, or you will pay with your attention. One way or the other, you will pay for it.
1: <laughs> right, we all pay for it. we all pay for everything. Right. Um, we're we're getting to the end, but so Steve, uh, Ballmer,
2: t- Steve, Ballmer, Steve Ballmer, famously said, "If you were not paying for a product or a service, you're the product."
1: <laughs> right. Tell us a little bit more about the new book um, before we wrap and, uh, you know, um, what people... My pleasure. Yeah.
2: So so the book looks at a little bit of the history of AR, but then we really go in and take a deep dive and we break down AR into its many modes and look at all of its different kinds of devices and use cases. And then we look at the technologies that are converging, hence the title Convergence, which are AR, 5G, and, and, of course, the devices themselves. And, um, and we view the convergence as, as the beginning of a fourth generation of wearable computing uh, that may be as impactful as the mobile revolution and perhaps the Internet itself. So there are a lot of exciting opportunities. But as I said, uh, you know, this is, we're on a slow roll right now, but as we have seen with enterprise, when things hit an inflection point, they can accelerate very, very quickly.
1: So it'll just it'll just go bam, bam.
2: <laughs> right, but no one no one knows when. And I, I I have to say there's the technology is not quite there yet. It's all a bit overhyped, uh, which is not to diminish its revolutionary potential, but. Uh, just to warn entrepreneurs who think in two or three years we're all going to be walking around wearing stuff on our head. So, right. so those are not, you know, so those are both. The, both those things can be true, right? But it's just the issue is timing, and you know that's so important in everything that happens in tech, right? I mean, it's it, it's more important to get the timing right than to get the idea right. Right,
1: right, 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 right. Well, so,
2: and, and you, you know, you're your book about is handicapping. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say when you talk about handicapping the the headset companies, uh I think you have to look to the you know, the uh um, will firstly separate out the VR guys from the AR guys and then and then look at at the people who are really, really growing like Microsoft and their enormous built in security advantage and um you know, I mean it's 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 definitely gonna be a dog fight. We know that Microsoft will be standing. Um, it's hard to say who else. Oculus will probably be standing. Uh, and it's hard to say who else, you know, because you need a big brother with very deep pockets to play in the hardware business for consumers or enterprises. The hardware business is a mad difficult business. It's like retail. The margins are razor thin, and, and the demands and the pressures are high.
1: Right. So the ma- the magic will take a while to happen.
2: Yeah, the magic of Magic Leap will, will take a while to happen. I would caution, though, in the case of Magic Leap, they're very closely associated with their headset right now. But I yeah. I think they're thinking the play is in the AR cloud, not in the hardware.
1: Huh. So so more of the and platform. That's something that most the
2: people don't realize about them.
1: Right, right. Um, and and your. I mean, book, right um, now
2: they're playing. Right now they're playing a headset game, but it's unlikely that that's their ultimate winning formula. is making headsets. It's it's going to be owning a big piece of the AR class.
1: And and the software. Um. And and the thing that's really fun about your book, and I haven't done it with the new book yet, is that it's AR enabled. So I remember Little Charlie Fink being my host with Metaverse and um, having a lot of fun with that AR application. Is it any different in Convergence? Did you do something different?
2: Well, I I would say Convergence is a little more business-oriented. Although Little Charlie is still there, um, there's a lot less Little Charlie and a lot more practical examples of what AR can do.
1: Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) It's such a great... But Little um, Charlie is still there. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a great idea to year. to walk the walk with the book, like to actually yeah, showcase, you. you know, um, what you're talking thank about you. with, with the book. Um, and we can get it on yeah. people can get it on Amazon, correct?
2: Yes, it's on Amazon.
1: It's it's such a great investment if you're all curious about these the space. Both books are just such a great education in in what's happening. And again, as Charlie mentioned, the the second book, Convergence: How the World Will Be Painted with Data. Um, is a collection of you know articles, essays uh, from a variety of people who are really making this world happen. Um, so you'll you'll learn so much uh, by digging into these uh, to these books. Now, where are you next, Charlie? Are we you meant you mentioned this uh, coalition of of AR providers that you're putting together. Um, just to, to wrap up, can you explain that to everybody?
2: Sure. It's it's called EXRD Enterprise XR Demos. And it's 13 devices that we're going to bring to different cities, and you can use each device, um, you know, in, in two hours, right? You just come in. There's no waiting. Um, there's It's limited uh, availability. Uh, you know, we can only do 70 people a day, and it's a true executive experience, and we will break down for you what the different devices do and, Where's the software coming from, and who's providing the hardware, and what your next steps would be if you wanted to bring AR to your business? It's so exciting X-Red and it's dot, so important. Uh, e, exrd. Uh, dot tech.
1: Exrd. Tech, and we can follow you, Charlie, at, at Charlie Fink. Very active Twitter. Twitter.
2: Right. Yeah, i will try. And try. Charlie Fink. Yeah. Thank and you. Medium,
1: too. Um, Charlie's also publishing constantly in Forbes, so you can find him everywhere, but if you want to know what's happening in the space, Charlie Fink is the man to follow. So thank you so much, Charlie. Thank Charlie you. Fink, again, author thanks of thanks Convergence, strategy, Convergence, How the World Would Be Painted with Data, and also Charlie Fink's Metaverse. Check them out if you want to know anything about what's happening in immersive content, both from the consumer and enterprise side. Thank you so much, Charlie. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for having me.